Heavenly Father, thank you for this brand new series, Relationship Status. Thank you, Lord, for the right of marriage. Thank you, Lord, for the purpose that we have, whether we're married or whether we're single, Lord. Thank you that you have a plan in that. Marriage was your idea, putting us together, community, families, children. That was your idea. Lord, may we, may we lean in today and learn from you and receive what you would say to us in Christ's name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be a good week. Now, why am I saying that? Well, first of all, let me say this. In this series, relationship status, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're widowed, whether you're divorced, it doesn't matter what your status is, we have something for you. And also, I believe that even though we might be talking one week to singles, or maybe we're talking, as we're talking to couples this week, if you're single, this is something that, that, that is, is vital information if you plan to get married one of these days. So the, the thing is, is whatever we're talking about, even if we're talking to singles, this is good information for parents and for friends because we all know people that are married. We're all, we know people that are single. We know people that have been divorced or whatever. So this is good information for all of us. So this is not a time to check out. So this series addresses us wherever we are. In the next few weeks, I'm specifically going to talk to couples, and I'm talking about something called marriage busters, or marriage builders, marriage busters. So, speaking of, today kicks off what we're calling a seven-day intimacy challenge, okay? Seven days of intimacy. Okay, do I need to explain this? Okay. This is, first of all, this is for married couples only, okay? This is for husbands and wives, and this is for married couples only. So if you're single, sorry about this. But, but we're calling this seven-day intimacy challenge, and you guys understand what I'm talking about. It just so happens that we have some images that we're going to show you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. What's <laughs> funny is you guys actually believe me. That's a big screen. Okay. So... Um, but here's the deal. We're not going to ignore that if we're going to be extremely intimate with our spouse, we're not going to ignore any kind of issues that might be going on. Because a lot of times, uh, this, when, we, when we talk like this, when we talk about marriage and couples and uh, do a seven-day challenge like this, where we, we challenge you to be intimate, this brings up hurts and past things in the lives of some couples. So we're not ignoring that. And we're not discounting anything, any kind of animosity that might be going on in your home. So, but the idea is to get past those things in order for, for, for God to do some work in your life. At some point, you've got to move on past some things if you want all that God has for you in your marriage. So with that, we are issuing this challenge that we want you to do something kind for each other, unusually kind. Okay? Beyond the bedroom. All right? We want you to do something unusually kind for each other every single day. Man, some of you guys are looking like me like, like I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> every day for seven days, be nice, do something nice. No, every single day. If you want some suggestions, ask your wife or ask your husband, okay? Every single day. So we're, we want an intimacy challenge for seven days. And after seven days next week, we're going to talk a little bit about this. As I said before, today is marriage builders, marriage busters. These are builders 
that, that for the next few weeks I'm going to talk about that if you do these, I believe it is going to give you a stronger relationship, a stronger marriage with your spouse. But if you don't do these things, these are like deal breakers. If you don't have this, you don't have this, you don't have a good marriage. So they're marriage builders, marriage busters. Are you ready? Yes. Let's start with the first one. Marriage builder number one. And I was actually going to do four of these a week, but I couldn't. This, was, this first one was was the most, I believe, the most important one. So I'm just going to spend Sunday this week on this one marriage builder. It's simple. Commitment. Marriage builder number one is commitment. Jesus said this. He said, build your house on a rock. We find out that every successful marriage has a level, of, uh, an extreme level of commitment. Jesus said, build your house on a rock. Because when the storms come and the floods come, he was given an illustration of a, a person that built his house on a rock and the floods came and the storms came and they beat up against that house, but it, they did not destroy it. I want to tell you something. Commitment is the foundation for every successful marriage because it's not a matter if storms come. It's not a matter if, if the rain comes or the flood comes. You are going to have things that will combat your marriage. Now, I know when we start out, man, it's exciting, and, and we marry for love, and we marry because we don't want to be away from each other or whatever, but there are things that are going to happen. Listen to me. If you're single and you're thinking about getting married, there are going to be troubles hit your marriage. Why? Why do I know this? It's not because I'm a prophet. It's because you have an enemy that wants to destroy your life, and when you marry someone and you become one with one, another person, he wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your spouse, and if he can do that, he can destroy your kids. So he's always trying to destroy you. That's why the very first thing that we do is we build our home, our marriage on a rock. And I believe that rock, of course, our, 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 our faith is the rock of Christ. But the, the significant factor and the rock of our marriage is a high level of commitment. Marriage must not. I mean, this is sometimes we get this messed up, but marriage isn't built on love. I know that we're attracted to each other for love. But it's not built on love. It can't be based on love. Why? Because you may fall, I like that term fall, as if you made a mistake. You fell in love. Trips, you know, fell in love. No, you will fall in and out of love with your spouse. You will be angry with your spouse, and at some point in your life, you will, you, you will like this. I, I don't know if I like this person anymore. I don't know if I, I love this person anymore. Love, feelings of love go up and down, and they change sometimes. So it must not be built on love. Another thing is a lot of people, you know, we, we get married, or we're going to get married because this person makes me happy. That is, a, that is a tremendous mistake because, first of all, that person is going to make you unhappy probably as much as they're going to make you happy. All right? And here's the deal. There is nobody on the face of the planet that can fulfill that order. Nobody can make you happy except for yourself. Love and happiness, the things that we get married for a lot of times, love and happiness, those are benefits of a committed marriage over time. That's why we base our marriages on commitment. Now, the Bible says some things, and Jesus says some specific things about commitment in marriage. So let's go to that, because here's the deal. It doesn't matter what my opinion is about what marriage is. And the things that I'm about to talk to you about, these things, 
are somewhat sensitive. These things are somewhat sensitive to me, and if you know my story and the things that I've been through. But, so here's what I want to say. I want to say, first of all, that we're not here to condemn anybody. We're not here to point a finger at anybody. You're going to hear some things that are going to ring true in your life, and I don't know where you are with your walk with God and, 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 and what your walk is and what your relationship is with your spouse or your relationship with, is with the person that's sitting next to you. I don't know what that is. But here's the deal. The Bible has a standard, and the Bible has a plan for your life, as I'm about to illustrate. So I'll never condemn anybody for anything, but it's my responsibility, regardless of what has gone on in my life, regardless of what I've been through, it is my responsibility to give God's plan and God's word and the scripture for what God has for our lives. Are you with me? Say amen. So if you feel a little bit, man, he's pointing his finger at me, I'm not doing that. I'm just showing you. A lot of times that's the Holy Spirit dealing with you about, hey, you might want to change, okay? It's not Travis. It's never Travis. All right? It's never Travis. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 19 and 3. He says, or the scripture says this. It says, some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with a question. Here was the question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female, and he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written divorce or a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked. And Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts but listen to this next stanza of the verse but it was but it was not what God had originally intended we're going to come back to that a lot in this series sometimes we get away from what God had actually intended and I tell you this whoever divorces his wife and marry someone else, a better translation of that verse, is whoever divorces his wife for the sake of marrying someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Now, anytime you read a very controversial statement in the Bible, you have to, first of all, ask yourself three questions. Who was Jesus talking to? What was the context? And, and you know, we're going to talk about that third one. What was the underlying issue? So, first of all, let's talk about who Jesus was talking to. He was talking to a group of Jewish men. Now, if he was talking to a group of Jewish ladies, he would have probably switched the gender and say, you know, don't divorce your husband for any other reason, so for, for just any reason. So he's talking to Jewish men. These men were brought up Hebrew. These were Old Testament Israelites. They understood. Most of them had the Levitical law memorized. They, this, when they were trying to test him, they had this law memorized. But the subject was divorce. And the question that they were asking was not, it wasn't necessarily about divorce, it was about the extent of the divorce. Can somebody divorce, can somebody get divorced for whatever reason that they want? You see, Jesus talked to them about Moses' law, and they said, hey, we, we, want, we want to know, can we just basically, can I get rid of my wife? That's what they were asking. And Jesus says this, he refers to Moses' law, and he says, listen, Moses' law gave you a concession, and he permitted it. But this was not God's plan. And centuries had gone by. 1,500 years had gone by. And what was once 
a permission and a concession. In other words, if there was no other way, this is not God's plan, but there's no other way. It went from no divorce to, okay, since you guys, since there's no possible way that you can stay together, all right, on extreme cases, concession, permission, okay. It went from there to, and you can read this, you can look at this up from historians, if your wife is not a good cook, you can send her packing. That's the way it was. Lucky for some of you, you know, that law's not in place anymore. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. The, that's where this has gone. It's gone all the way to a very extreme case where there's no other way to, I, don't, I just don't like you anymore. Here, sign this. Go back home. That's where it was. So Jesus addresses the underlying issue here. The people he was talking to were Jewish men. The subject was divorce. The underlying issue was commitment. That's, that's the issue. Jesus always addressed, when somebody walked up and asked him a question, he would sometimes ask them a question to answer their question because he wanted to address the heart of the matter. The issue here wasn't so much divorce. and it wasn't all, The issue was commitment. He needed to address this community's level of commitment. You see, when divorce is in question, Commitment is the issue. Not every time. And I don't know your story. And, and I'm not talking about abuse. And I'm not talking about things that, uh, the unfaithfulness or whatever. But when divorce is the question, listen to me, commitment is many times the issue. So to, in order to explain commitment in marriage, Jesus goes back to the beginning where we were created, where life started. And he says, this is marriage. And I'm going to talk to you real quickly with the time I got left. Three things that I believe in this scripture, Jesus described marriage. First of all, first of all, marriage is God's plan. Marriage is God's plan. He says this, and I'm going to back up a little bit. He says, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied, that record that from the beginning, everybody say from the beginning. From the beginning, God made them male and female and then said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they're no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. When God's plan is brought into question, when we don't understand the way things are supposed to operate or when it gets muddied a little bit and when, when a secular society begins pointing at, at what's going on in our lives and say, man, that's just not working and everything's confused, sometimes you need to reference the scriptures and even as Jesus did, go all the way back to the beginning. You believe that? Say amen. To describe marriage, Jesus takes us back to the beginning of time when we were created. And he goes back and he says, let's go back to creation when God started this whole thing. Because it's important to understand why marriage even exists. So let's go back to the creator. Let's go back to what the creator said. And let's explore why marriage even exists. Why? Because God has a plan. Sometimes when things get confused, we need to go back to where things started. We need to go back to God's word. We find out, as, we, as, as Jesus explains, that God has a plan in marriage. Listen to me. No matter where you are in life, God has a plan. If you're single, God has a plan with you being single. If you're married or if you're about to get married, God has a plan when you get married. God has a plan for you when you're single. God has a plan for you when you get married. If you were going through a divorce, God didn't cause it. It wasn't his will. But God has a plan for you after divorce. There's no reason to give up. If you, if you believe that, say man. God has a plan for you if you've lost your spouse. Maybe you're a widow or a widower here today. 
Your life isn't over. God's got a plan for you no matter where you are. Don't, don't force any kind of situation. Don't be thinking, walking around thinking I'm lonely. Don't be thinking, you know what, I need to split away from my, my spouse because I just can't be free or I can't do God's will. Man, that's a lie. God has a plan for you wherever you are. And God has a plan for your marriage right now. You might choose to want to be married, but God has a, you, you might choose who you want to marry. We get that choice. A lot of people think, well, you know, there's one and you got to find that one person. You know, there might be two or three. You just get it, you choose. I know that that's not very romantic, but God, that, God gives you the will to choose any person that you want. No, God gives you that. You, you might choose whoever you want. However, God has a plan once that you become married, in that marriage. So we see that God, our marriage was God's plan. Number two, marriage is between one man and one woman. From the beginning, let's go back to the scripture. These are the words of Jesus. From the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and he is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. The two are united into one. Sometimes we don't understand the context of marriage because we don't understand this union that God wants to do in our lives. We don't understand that God has something very, very special that only a man and a woman can experience in marriage. And let me tell you something. It's not about rules. A lot of times, people base their beliefs on how they want to live their lives. Listen to me. Don't miss this. Let me say that again. A lot of times people base their beliefs on how they want to live their lives. In other words, they want to live their lives a certain way. So what they do is they figure out how they believe based on how they want to live. Okay? And they'll even, you know, find th pull things out of the scripture to back up what they want to say or get a translation that nobody ever heard of. When it's important that we base our lives on what we believe. We, that, that we base our lives on what is true. God's not trying to take away your happiness. The, the things that I'm talking about, when we're talking about intimacy and the seven-day challenge, that's, that's reserved for people that are married, and that's God's plan. That's not because he wants to take away your good times. It's not because he wants to take away your game. It's, you know, it's not because you don't, he doesn't want you to be a player, whatever. It's not because of that. He, it's because God understands something about your life. God, God understands that, that, that you only, to ex, only need to experience certain things within a committed relationship. God knows what is best for you because he created you a certain way. It's kind of like my kids growing up for years. My kids don't like to eat so healthy when they were little. And I was always trying to feed them oatmeal. I, do you guys like oatmeal? Raise your hand if you love oatmeal. That's, that's a pretty good number. Raise your hand if you, man, that's like slimy. I don't know what you're thinking. You don't, so, yeah, most people like oatmeal. So my kids hate oatmeal. For, for years, I tried to cram, you know, eat the oatmeal. Make the oatmeal, you know, put cinnamon in it and sugar and, and raisins and whatever. Eat the oatmeal. Man, they hate the oatmeal. Kids, what do you want to eat? Can we go to IHOP, Dad? Okay, well, maybe we'll go to IHOP and we'll get some scrambled eggs, some turkey bacon, some whole wheat toast. You know what they order? Chocolate chip pancakes. You know what a pancake is? It is a fried cake. 
When did we start serving fried cake with a half a cup of syrup and, 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 and you know, chocolate chips and whipped cream with a smiley face on top? You know, if I eat that, i got to go home and take a nap. That's bad for me. You know, I've learned, I've learned that, you know, I have to practice discipline. When I get up in the morning, I, I take vitamins, not because I like vitamins. And, you know, you know you've read these studies before that, that the vitamins, they don't dissolve in your stomach. So I'm like, i got to chew them. So i got to chew up vitamins every single morning and drink something to kill the taste, to gag a couple of times, because it's good for me. And, you know, I, you know for years, I've like, kids, eat your vitamins. Dad, I don't like vitamins. I know, but they're good for me. No, I don't want to eat my vitamins. So we got to buy, okay, Flintstones that are chewy. Because it's good for them. It's not that I want to take away their good times or you know, I'm going to be mean to the kids and make them eat protein today. It's not because of that. I'm going to be very, very mean to the kids and make them eat salad. It's not about that. It's not about rules. And it's my way or the highway. Today, no pasta. No, it's not like that. It's that I know what's best for them. I know how they're created. I know if they don't take care of themselves. I know if they don't get to... Uh, bed on time, that they're, it's going to affect their grades, so I'm doing things that they don't understand. You know, right now, or as they were younger, I'm sorry, they're adults now, but as when they're, you know, it's like, you guys just need to obey. You need to trust me in some situations. That's what I'm trying to talk to you about. These things that I'm talking to you about, it's for our, for our good from a creator who knows all about us, our Heavenly Father. It's not about the rules. Marriage, according to the scripture, is what is best for us, even though we get it twisted. You know, you think you're redefining marriage in the 21st century? You think that us, or I don't say us, but people beyond the church are trying to redefine marriage in the 21st century? You think that this is the first time that's ever been done? It was trying to be done in the 20, or in the Old Testament. Polygamy. Isn't that the worst idea you ever heard? So I think I'll have six wives. I think David had six or seven wives. Who thought that up? Solomon had like 900 and something wives and 250 concubines. Why do you think in the book of Ecclesiastes, thinking life is meaningless? Towards the end of his life, his belief system was brought into peril. You know? If you read in the book of Proverbs, he, he, I mean, you can see something was going on with his relationship with his wife or wives, and supposedly he loved one more than the rest. But it was like, he, he writes that it's better to live in a corner of your house than with a cantankerous woman. He writes that in the book of Proverbs. Somebody wrote that down. Yes, yes, right there. <laughs> note, note, note this. Uh, you know, so, Solomon didn't write his stuff. Somebody wrote it for him. He would say, write this down. And then it, it, he, 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 it, that's, not, that's not far enough away. He goes, it's better, it's better to dwell in a housetop than in a house." With a contemporary, so he's getting farther away from her. It went from a corner of a room. Now he's on a housetop, and then a few chapters later, he says, "It's better to dwell out in the desert." <laughs> you know, somebody came along and said, "Man, uh, it's we're going to have a you know." With, and there were reasons for this. There was it was a different culture, and there, you know, uh, it was it was financial reasons and things like that. But it was never God's plan. God never designed that. It was, it was permitted, and, but we can see what it did in the lives of families. Children murdered each other. Women were jealous and, and, and planned and devised against other members of the family. It was very destructive. And then the New Testament comes along, and we can see that that wasn't going on near as much. And then there's this debate over marriage and divorce, and Jesus says, no, we're going to go back to the beginning. You're not going to redefine this thing. 
And then the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, he has to call out this couple because this son has married his stepmother. He's like, no, you can't do that. You can't redefine that, what God has put together. Today, there's this debate over marriage. Hey, let's redefine it again. It won't work. How about we go back to the beginning, reference what God had planned? I mean, he was our creator. Marriage was his idea. Why don't we just go back and do it the way God planned it for us to do? Amen? It's not about trying to destroy anybody. It's not about equality. It's not about that. It's about doing what God designed us to do. Jesus said, let me show you what marriage is supposed to look like. He says, a man leaves his father and mother. That man joins a woman. They are married. They become one. The Apostle Paul references this statement in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. He says, this joining of a man and a woman is a mystery, what God does in that. But only a man and a woman can experience the spiritual oneness God uniquely gives to people who become married. Marriage was God's plan. Marriage is between a man and a woman. And number three, marriage is intimacy. Into me see. Marriage is intimacy. The sixth verse says, since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. That joining there. That, that word joining means united, but there is a spiritual thing that happens between a man and a woman. And it's not just a physical joining that takes place when you get married. It's not just a physical, but it is a spiritual thing. As I said before, the Apostle Paul said this was a mystery. That, that this thing that happens between a man and a woman in a committed relationship, that not only do you, not only do you, do you do your part when you join, but God does his part. And this spiritual joining emotionally this, this spiritual joining takes place, but that is only meant for people in a committed relationship. True intimacy is intended for people who are committed to one another. That's why the church in Corinth, this church in Corinth, you got to read, man, they were just all everywhere when it came to marriage. They were going to other temples. There weren't, weren't churches, but they were going to other temples, and they were the men of the city or the men that were considered themselves to be Christians were hooking up with prostitutes as a form of worship. I mean, that's, I mean that, what, what, a, what a, a drastic thing to do to your body and also to your marriage. So the Apostle Paul steps in and he says this, 1 Corinthians 6 and 15. I know that this is an extreme thing, but this was a new church and they didn't understand you know, what, was supposed to, what marriage was supposed to completely look like. He says, should a man take his body which is part of Christ. He's saying, when you give your life to Christ, your body is the temple of the Lord. It doesn't just belong to you anymore. Your body belongs to the Lord. The Holy Spirit lives and he dwells on the inside of you. So it matters what you do physically and sexually with your body. He says, should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that a man joins himself, when a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scripture says the two are united into one. Something takes place spiritually that we don't understand when we join ourselves this way. God has something better for you than that. God has something better for you than to give yourself to an uncommitted person. A committed, committed to one person and only to one person. And we were created to experience intimacy. We were created and we long to know and to be known very deeply or intimately. We long for that relationship. However, listen carefully to me. Being intimate 
without commitment is a formula for heartache. Did you hear me? Being intimate without commitment. We've got a lot of people who are intimate without commitment. And that is a recipe for heartache and baggage. Whether you're married or not. We were, I've had people say to me before, I talked to a lot of young couples, especially the generation that's coming on behind us. says, we are committed. We're dating. Are you committed or are you just exclusive? Think about that for a second. Because we have people that, that act married and do things that married people do, and they say they're committed. But are you committed or are you just exclusive? Because if you're not committed, which basically the highest level of commitment is marriage. If you're not married, it's, not, it's just like, I can change my mind about you. Give me back my coat. Right? What more do you need to do? You know? There's, there's nothing else. Give my, give my ring back. I don't like you anymore. If, if somebody is committed, they take the highest level of commitment. And this, this is illustrated in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I'm not going to read it today, but when the, when the Bible tells us as husbands that we are to love our wives the way Christ loved the church, that is the highest level of commitment, that he gave his life for that. But that's only in a committed relationship. And here's another thing. A wedding is the ceremony of commitment. A wedding is the ceremony of commitment. Where we stand before witnesses, we bring in our family, we bring in somebody that's licensed to be able to do something like this. We call all of our people, all of our friends, and we tell everybody that we're about to announce to them the person that we're going to spend the rest of our lives. I'm talking to you about commitment because commitment is all over the place, and we say, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to you. Well, I'm committed to you, and I don't need a piece of paper to prove my love to you. Okay, if it's not that big of a deal, well, let's just go ahead and get one. <laughs> a lot of ladies, uh, amen in here today. If it's not that big of a deal. Listen, you ain't got a thing. If you ain't got a ring. And I'm, not, and I'm not, telling you, I'm not telling you this because it's my opinion. I'm telling you that we think commitment is something else. And, and the problems that we have in relationships and the problems that we have before marriage and even in marriage are levels of commitment. Or they come back to our levels of commitment. A, a wedding is where you bring everybody around. You got to go down to the, to the court office and you got to get a license for this. It's a lot of trouble. you got to stand in front of everybody, and you got to tell everybody, I promise that I'm going to be with this person. I choose you. I choose him. I choose her for the rest of my life. And i got these vows that I'm going to tell you that, that for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, I prefer richer, but for richer or for poorer. And the only way that we're getting out of this commitment is if you die, only death is getting us out of this. And by the way, here's my ring to show, and you better wear it. You better wear this ring because this ring is a symbol of the commitment that we made today. That's commitment. You can't just like, well, all right, you know, here's your dishes back. Can't do it there. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And that's, and you see, that's, that's, that's what commitment is, and that, that's the committed relationship that God wants you to be a part of because only in the area of a highly committed relationship can you experience true intimacy. 
that somebody can just, they just can't change their mind about you and say just, I'm sorry. No, you got to be committed. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 4 that we are meant for a high standard of love. Hebrews 13 and 4 says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Give honor to marriage itself. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Marriage is an all-in commitment where God wants you to experience true intimacy. And I'm saying this today because many of us here today, many of you maybe, are in a marriage where you don't experience true intimacy. And it could be that somebody in that marriage is not completely committed. That doesn't mean they're unfaithful. That just doesn't mean that they might not be committed in this situation. Marriage is commitment, which means it was God's plan. It's between a man and a woman, and it's intimacy. So remember that today. God wants to do some things in your life. If you're here today and you're thinking about getting married, if you're here today and maybe you're thinking about splitting up with your, with your spouse, I want to tell you something. That's not God's plan for your life. And I don't know what your story is, but God's plan for your life is true intimacy through commitment. That's what marriage is. If you believe that, say amen. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day and bringing us here today. And thank you for the opportunity that we have to minister and to learn of your word. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to every person that is here, wherever we are, whatever we're dealing with, whatever our struggle is. And maybe, God, just maybe, you want to put some marriages back together today. Or maybe you want to heal some people that have gone through a divorce. Whatever we're dealing with, whatever our walk is, whatever we need to experience and encounter you, I pray that you will speak to people in the name of Jesus. If you're here today, and please every head bowed, and please, nobody looking around, if you're here today and you can say, Travis, my marriage is struggling. Let me ask you something. Is it possible that it is an issue of commitment? I have found out that people that have stayed together for years was not because they were in deep love or made each other happy. It was because they decided to stay together. They just were committed. Through the good times, through the bad times, through the hurting, whatever happens. And once again, I don't pretend to know what your story is. I don't know what you've gone through. Maybe, maybe you really feel like you have grounds to walk away, but you don't have to. You don't have to. Maybe you're here and your situation is that you, you don't have the marriage that you feel like God intended you to have. You have the person, but not the marriage. Maybe it's struggling. Maybe this week of Seven days of intimacy is a very, very big struggle with you because of things that have happened. And you need God to heal your marriage. I'd like to pray with you. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're dealing with, let me pray with you right now. If you're seated next to your spouse or somebody you love, take them by the hand. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for every person here that is married. I thank you for every person, God, that's going through a situation, Lord, that, that you would bring them here today and you'd want to speak to them. Thank you for that. I first pray that you will heal every marriage that's hurting, every marriage that's struggling, every 
hurt because of an unkind word. Every hurt or injury because of a lie. Father, I pray that you will give forgiveness and restoration. But most of all, Lord, may we be committed to each other. Through the good times, through the bad times. And as we do this, Lord, we strengthen our marriages and our homes. In the name of Jesus. If you receive this, say amen. If you go ahead and bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Christ and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, we've been talking about commitment to each other, but you won't experience or you'll not be able to understand completely the commitment that I'm talking about if you don't understand the creator of this commitment, the creator of marriage. These things that I've talked to you about, they're not my ideas or my opinions. This comes from the word of God, inspired by God, written by man. As we begin to commit to God and understand how committed he is to us, then we begin to understand what it means to lay down our lives as husbands for our wives. Then we begin to understand what it is to be a husband and a wife and our roles, and God has given us a plan for that, and we submit to that. But you can't get that right until you first make things right with your Lord. So I want to give you an opportunity. I want to pray with you. Let me say this. If you're here and today's your day and you're going to give your life to Christ, I won't ask you to stand, come down here, single you out. We don't do that. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm just going to pray right now. And in the same way that we prayed, you just repeat a prayer after us and we all pray together. But I'd like to know if I'm praying for people to come home today. If you're here and you just say, Travis, today's the day I'm going to give my life to Christ. And if you'll pray that prayer, I'm going to pray it with you. I'm going to meet it and I'm coming home today. If that's you, you want to say that, I just want to know. Real quickly, just put your hand up and put it down so I'll know I'm praying for people. Can anybody say that? Real quickly, just to let me know. I'll just ask one more time, then we're going to move on. But I just want to know if anybody's here. That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ today. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And I thank you, Lord, for every blessing that you've given us and the things that we have learned and experienced from you today. And I pray, Lord, that you will have your way in the lives of families and marriages. And I know, Lord, that you have a work and a plan for every family here, for every person, whether we're married or single or divorced or widow or it's complicated. Lord, you have a plan. May we grow in you. May we be strengthened by your word. And may you do a work in the life of every person today, God, because we're only as strong. The church is only as strong as the families are strong. And the enemy, he's fiercely fighting to destroy individuals and families. But in the name of Jesus, strengthen your church by strengthening its families. In the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen.